Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> y'all know what time it is. We are back at it again. This is episode 78. Yeah, I know that's right. 78 of the Football Misfits. I am your host with the most. Just kidding. I got, eh, not the least, but you know, uh, LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainey's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty, a.k.a. The Sad Spurs Fan. Wouldn't have been if it was recording on Thursday, but, you know, neither here nor there. And, of course, this would not be the Football Misfits unless I was joined by the one, the only, the man who makes it happen, who's been making it happen. <laughs> More clutch than Matt Stafford, y'all. I'm talking about Mr. Misfits himself, Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Yo. What's going on, everyone? Stay strong, be brave. Brave indeed. <laughs> Speaking of brave, this man is brave, uh, fighting Fabrizio Romano away from his sources, week in, week out, from the data desk, the Spencyclopedia Britannica. Spencer Povich, you are not the father. <laughs> uh, y'all may know him as Spence, and so do I. Spence Day was good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love, peace and love. The Premier League race is still alive. Ooh, he said, Farmers League where? Again, neither here nor there. That's and, just wishful thinking, but continue. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said it's a two-score game in football. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough football references for this pod. We can skip the pleasantries just like we did last week. Forget that match of the week stuff. We'll get to that when we get to that. AFCON is alive and well. Teams are dropping like flies. Ronnie, what did you think of this past week? We would, we would have to start off with, the two big teams in the region crashing out. It's a matter of which do you want to go with first, Ghana or Algeria? We got to start with the defending champions. Who looked anything but <laughs> who looked like anything but defending champions? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I think we should wait for the Ghana one just because kind of hurts. I'm getting a little bit of pain in that one, but yeah, Algeria absolutely crashing out of the tournament, finishing in last place in their group. Next. Bottom of the group, fam. Oof, and they was in there last week, and we were kind of, you know, making jokes, throwing little jabs there, and I thought they'd take it to heart, but they stayed right, right there in fourth place. <laughs> Seemed like they didn't want to be in the tournament. Goodness gracious. Apparently not, but they only scored one goal this entire tournament, conceded four. Oof. Goal <laughs> difference of minus three, just one point, and it was the draw against Sierra Leone. Yeah. They were shit. Absolutely shit. They got a goal off in their final match against Ivory Coast. However, uh, Ivory Coast went ahead and uh, tripled that, uh, giving him three uh, upon the head top uh, on match day three, which was this past Thursday. Um, we had goals from Frank Kessie, who shaved his head. I think that happened at the beginning of the tournament. But, yeah, he's, got the, he's rocking the shaved head look. Very interesting stuff. And then Ibrahim Sangari getting a goal in the 39th. And then Arsenal's man, who's been in form for his country, Nicola Pepe, getting a goal in the 54th minute. The Algerians would just get a consolation late on uh, through Sufyan Bendebka uh, in the 73rd. And that was all she wrote. Just like you said, one goal from three matches, that's not going to get you to the, you know, to the next group. <laughs> or no, that's not going to get you to the knockouts, not at all. Now, the question is, if they keep on playing like this, and I know we're going to talk about the recent African World Cup qualifier draw, do they make it to Qatar playing like this? I Ooh. say no. Oof. 
Yeah, I mean, anything is possible. The draw is not friendly at all. Ah, I still think they got it shot, but right now they look like they're in shambles. Um, so you know what? I'm going no as well. Let's get some hate in there. Yep. See ya. <laughs> Try again. Hey, if we had the eights man here, he would be definitely hating on Algeria, who, by the way, played Cameroon in the qualifying playoffs. Again, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah, you know, the man would say something like, Algeria should forever lose. <laughs> Algeria should forever lose. And then watch him win the World Cup two years yeah. from now. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. That's the H-Man curse or blessing, whatever you want to call it. But that being said, though, I, I'm not He's sure. H-Man, though. Go ahead. We got Charlotte Love to Sierra Leone, who didn't qualify for the round of 16. Oof. Commiserations. Hey, man. We, we were definitely rooting for them. It looked like they might have been in a position to get out as the runner-up. But Ecuadorio Guinea said no. Mm-hmm. And I think Kai Kamara had a miss penalty in that game against Equatorial Guinea too. Yeah, and, and now unfortunately he's getting roasted, but they had a great tournament. I hope it doesn't overshadow all the things that they did this year. I can't say it was a great tournament, but I guess for their standards and the story that they had, they put up a fight. Clearly Definitely made Sierra Leone proud, definitely. There you go. Clearly, you know, they had an incredible game against uh, the Ivory Coast and then obviously, you know, against Algeria. Holding their holding their own, but yeah, it was not to be as you mentioned. Equatorial Guinea would uh get them at the paint uh, late on, which hey man, you hate to see it, but I think they did their country proud, as you said, as you said, yeah, absolutely. I did have one one quick point on Algeria. I'm not sure. Did we mention this last week that whatever their competitive streak? I mean, if they're counting it, it's got to be over, right? Well, yeah, they lost. <laughs> yeah, so they, it's got. I'm the not sure. Is, I'm the not sure. The was how. How many games was the streak? We could either go with 35, 25, or 42. That's the only question. Yeah. Either way, Argentina now has the world's longest active streak at 27. There we go. This is, this is sounding more and more like uh, uh, your truth or my truth <laughs> rather than the truth. But Algeria hasn't been flying at all. They're out of the tournament. Okay, done with them. On to, on to the, uh, the next uh, club or team that exited the tournament sadly spencer's ghana the black stars who we were also in support of also didn't have themselves the best of tournaments also finishing bottom of the table uh in their group of group c and uh it all ended with a loss to comoros um on match day three each uh ghana i mean i think they got two red cards in three matches it just didn't seem like they had it in them and I mean, obviously, one of the red cards was at the end of the match where one of the Ghanaian players just wanted smoke. I believe uh, Andre Ayu got one in that last match there, match day three. And, I mean, not much else to say about them from my uh, my end, except um, yeah, Thomas Partey got his ass shipped right back to, uh, to the Premier League to play a game against Liverpool. <laughs> and um, he left the way he came, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, got subbed on, subbed, and then uh, sent off. There you go. But yeah, tough, tough ride for Ghana. Now both uh, nations that we were rooting for, it seems uh, the misfits were collectively going for Sierra Leone and Ghana have um, have exited the tournament. So either we're cursed or we just uh, just wasn't our year. I'll take solace in the fact that they both finished better than Algeria in the final table. Oh, there you go. When you look at it, I think. Um, Sierra Leone and um, Ghana are like 18 and 19. Algeria's ranked 20 out of the 24 teams. 
Oof, Algeria should forever lose, man. <laughs> but I guess that being said, any thoughts uh, on Ghana for you, uh, uh, Spencer and or Ronnie? Like you, I was kind of disappointed that they couldn't, you know, make it as far as, they, you know, at least the knockout stage. As Spencer from the data just says, nah, just said. You were saying, Ronnie? You know, on to the next AFCON, and luckily that's next year. So hope, hope for the best for um, Ghana. And there's also, again, World Cup qualifiers to look forward to. So they can't linger on this feeling poor about not making it out of the AFCON group for too long because they got to, you know, get their place to Qatar. Yeah, man. So now to, I guess, uh, bigger things. Qualifiers will be very interesting to see what happens. And everyone's got a chance that's in it, of course. Oh, let's go through group by group now. Um, Cameroon will top their group uh, backed by the man, Vincent Abubakar, scoring goals left, right, and center. Uh, Burkina Faso will also move on to the round of 16. Cape Verde would actually be one of the uh, third-place teams that would make it as well. Moving past there, Group B, of course, Senegal, could be the favorites for the tournament uh, alongside, I believe, maybe Cameroon. Uh, Into the next round, topping their group in Group B, Guinea would follow suit Malawi. Also, moving on. Zimbabwe got a win the last time out against Guinea, 2-1, but it wasn't enough. They're going home. Um, I do want to say Senegal scored as many goals as Algeria did, and they're making it to the next round as group winners, while Algeria were bottom of the table in their group. There you go. And what do they always say? Football's a game of margins, and uh, Senegal's margins hit the back of the net. Algeria's hit the bottom of the table. <laughs> <laughs> one <laughs> one goal for zero against in three matches. There you go. I think Sadio Mane, the lone goal scorer, and it was a penalty actually, I think, in the first match. A very late penalty. And you have it, and that was enough to see them through. Yep. Group um, C. We mentioned Ghana finished fourth. Camaros, their win against Ghana, put them in a playoff spot, and nothing happened between Morocco and Gabon. I mean I take that back. That was a hell of a game. If we're going on favorite games of the week, that would have been it. It was back and forth and forth and back, 2-2 between them. They finished 1-2 Morocco and Gabon. But it looked like there was a slimmer of hope for Ghana to at least climb up to as high as second. Those those two matches at, uh, to finish Group C where had literally had everything to play for, and it didn't go Ghana's way, obviously. But, yeah, you, I mean, you're right. The Gabon-Morocco match, huge, huge match. And finishing a draw there, of course, and uh, out of that group, Morocco topping the table, uh, Gabon in second, and Comoros finishing third, but and would would also uh, move forward into the uh, knockout stages there. Obviously, as we mentioned before, Ghana, unfortunately, finishing last. And then we've got Group D, who uh, starts with the dark horses. I think I call them the dark horses, and they kind of turned into... Uh, some favorites, at least in their group, going three from three, topping the table with nine points. Nigeria, Egypt would follow suit in second place. They would both advance on to the round of 16. Sudan would finish third. However, with just one point, they would not be joining the rest of the third place teams who moved forward. Uh, and Guinea-Bissau finishing the tournament on one point, fourth place in Group D. Uh, group E was the one that we mentioned, very interesting, obviously, with Sierra Leone and Algeria rounding at the bottom. Algeria four, Sierra Leone three. Again, with two points, not enough to move on uh, to the round of 16, being the best third place team. Equatorial Guinea 
with actually a really good group stage, would finish second with Ivory Coast topping the table after match day three on seven points. They're on to the round of 16. And then finally, we've got Group F, where we saw teams exchanging places in the top of the table. After match day three, it would finish Mali on seven points. The Gambia, in their inaugural year, who have been playing incredibly, if you ask me, and I might be backing to, to, to win the tournament as a dark horse, just saying, um, finished second place, also on seven points. Tunisia on three points, and we remember that scuffle they had with Mali and the referee in match day one, with Mauritania bouncing out with zero in fourth place. Tunisia would move on as well into the round of 16. They've got three points, and I guess we can map it out now from where we are of the teams that will or have already played each other on uh, Sunday, today's day recording. We saw the first round of 16 match, uh, Burkina Faso versus Gabon, which would finish in penalties. Straight up penalties. 7-6, pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd love to see it. You know, when it, when it comes to a knockout, uh, let things go to the dying breaths, and uh, especially on the international stage where it's all to play for. And that's exactly what this was. Gabon, tough tournament. I mean, they... A, were able to make it to the round of 16 without uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of course, who was suffering, I think, I believe, COVID. Uh, aside from COVID and chill, apparently. Right. Oh, poor part of the athletic, COVID and chill. There you go. Oof. And yeah, Burkina Faso, they move forward and they would play Tunisia, who actually upset the, what I call, dark horses turned potential favorites, Nigeria, on today, Sunday, day of recording. Uh, the match would finish 1-0. The... Uh, Super Eagles would have a red card, and that was about it. That's all they would really put up on the, on the board. Alex Iwobi would get sent off as Yusuf Muskani uh, in, in Masakti? Muskani? Sorry, Yusuf. Uh, would score in the 47th minute just at uh, the beginning of the second half. Tunisia getting a leg up on Nigeria there, and all of a sudden, uh, with all, everything that they were going through it before the tournament began, and uh, the way they performed in the group stage, Nigeria have got to be, got to be bummed out about that. I mean, injuries aside. I was aside. prepared to discuss the knockout bracket and talking about all the potential winners because for as much as we suggested that Senegal were our favorites, putting, you know, country biases aside and the countries we support, we pretty much thought Senegal would win the AFCON, but looking at the way the group stage played out, I'm thinking, all right, Nigeria were the best team in the groups. Far away. Same with, you could say, you could make the case for Cameroon and Ivory Coast. And Gambia. So you could see, you can make the case that the final was going to feature one of those four teams, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, Cameroon, and Senegal. Now seeing Nigeria out the, out the competition, it's like pretty open because in that top half bracket, all that's left. I mean, well, you can't really discount size like Mali or whatever, but um, Senegal looks like they have an easier path to the final. But, you know, we shall see. Tunisia, you know, they crawled into the knockouts, but maybe they can get the better Burkina Faso, make it to the semis for the second consecutive AFCON. We shall see. And then, you know, bottom half. If Cameroon and Ivory Coast do play in the semifinal, 
Shit's going to look crazy. Yeah, but they got a long way to run through there. I think one match that would be very interesting to see. I doubt it, it's going to happen, but it could. Uh, we've got Inform Mali, obviously. We are in seven points. They play Equatorial Guinea uh, in the first round of 16 match this Wednesday. Somehow, if Tunisia get past Burkina Faso and make it to the semis, and if Mali somehow beat either Senegal or Cape Verde, uh, after beating Equatorial Guinea, it'd be a rematch of that scuffle in uh, in the uh, opening match of the of the tournament or the match day one between them that ended in controversy. I'm sure that it was uh, all for better officiating. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see how that go because I know the Tunisian staff have got some uh, uh, investigations that they want to do and they're yada yada yada. So that'd be interesting, but obviously long way to go from there, and they'd have to beat potentially Senegal on the way to that match. So anything is possible. If I were to pick an upset, Equatorial Guinea beating Mali looks like that can happen. It could happen, yeah. They're both very much in form. Mali topping their group uh, on the last day there, tied on points with the, the Gambia, of course. But they, these are two informed sides. And, you know, like you said, any, anything can happen, which is why we love this tournament, especially with the upsets and the teams that didn't make um, the, you know, the, the knockouts. We, we, love, we love the openness of it. But you did bring up something interesting, and with with what happened after the group stage and the, the first day of the knockouts, I guess are there still some favorites there or some new favorites we want after we saw the group stage? Yeah, like I mentioned, those four favorites now three Senegal, Cameroon, and Ivory Coast should be the three favorites to win, and I would probably rank them: Cameroon, Ivory Coast, joint top, and then Senegal. Because Nigeria was probably the odds-on favorite after seeing the way they played in the groups. Cameroon plays Comoros, the other debutant at AFCON, also in the knockout stage, joining Gambia. Um, in all fairness, Cameroon should be able to win that. It'll be a shock if they don't. Gambia, I could favor them over Guinea. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I like Gambia a lot. And that'd be a tough match. I think, uh, is Nabi Keita injured? I believe he might not be playing. He's not playing. He's suspended. There you go. Yeah, he's, he's suspended. Playing. Thank you, Spencer, at the data desk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, so not card accumulation. Yeah. I mean, Gambia could pull something there against Guinea. Uh, you know, without Nabi Keita, who's been playing incredibly, I believe I saw this off the record from Spence, two men of the match awards this tournament so far. Yes. But he's, been, he's been pulling the strings for Guinea, and without him, it could be a, a bit of a struggle. Yeah, and Gambia, you know, like we mentioned, they are in form, finished second in their group, and yeah, I could see them making it to the quarters. And how could we not talk about arguably the match of the round of 16, Ivory Coast v. Egypt? Ooh! Yeah, we've got, uh, I mean, a star-studded lineup on, you know, on the pitch there that day. We've got the most Salah versus, you know, the number of, of uh, talented players Ivory Coast have got. Uh, I'm back in Ivory Coast, but mouthwatering fixture nonetheless. I concur. And I don't know if Sebastian Hyer is going to get his goals off. He only has one so far at <laughs> this AFCON. If so you do, else. you better do it against Egypt and then do it against Morocco or Malawi in the quarters. Yeah, man. Because so the window of opportunity is narrowing. That's a fact. You got to blame Vincent Abubakar for scoring all them goals early on. <laughs> that man came into Afghan with top goal scorer in mind. And allegedly a fake age. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, love to see it. Love to see it. But yeah, Sebastian Iyer is going to have to pick it up if he wants to prove us right 
for picking him as a top scorer. Uh, we shall see how he does it uh, or what they do. And we'll see if Ivory Coast can move on. But, yeah, a lot of good games to look forward to. Uh, we mentioned Guinea, Gambia, Ivory Coast to Egypt, uh, Mali, Equatorial Guinea. We got some good stuff, man. We've already Morocco, seen Malawi. Is it Morocco? Keep it pushing. Yeah, I'm going Morocco. Anything could happen, of course, but I'm going Morocco. You and I both. Shouts to Malawi, by the way. They were the second best third place team. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. A lot of interesting potential matchups throughout the rest of the knockout stage. Um, the round of 16 began on um, today. Today, day of recording. Um, the round of 16 ends on Wednesday. And then the quarterfinals begin on Saturday. So next time we're on the podcast, we will already have the two semifinal matchups set. Woo! Love to see that. We shall see how things progress. We're going to be talking about how they progress on the next episode. And we're not going to leave Africa just yet. We, we kind of, you know, tipped it earlier. The African World Cup qualifying draw was made. Woo! Let's just run through these matches real quick. Egypt versus Senegal. Oof. Cameroon v. Algeria. Oof. The matchup that everyone's calling the Jaloff Derby. Ghana v. Nigeria. (laughs) The Democratic Republic of the Congo versus Morocco. And Malawi v. Tunisia. These are two-legged affairs with the winner of each tie advancing to the World Cup. And I think the first thing that caught everybody's attention was the fact that either Mo Salah or Sadio Mane won't play the World Cup. Yes, sir. And, I mean, this happens every World Cup. Stars that uh, play for their respective countries that dominate the club world don't necessarily make it onto the uh, biggest tournament across the globe. But, uh, unfortunately, for, you know, fans everywhere, and I guess maybe Liverpool fans, one of, one of those guys will not going forward with so many good matches here to deal with and i mean i don't know who i could even pick i like cameroon based on this on their form in the uh in the afcon tournament um so far but i mean you've got the you know algeria who have been unbelievable up to this point before the tournament um so i just don't know who to pick at this point i really don't know exciting stuff though I'm probably quicker to lean towards Cameroon than I am Algeria. More so if they do win the AFCON. Actually, whoever wins AFCON is a favorite to advance to the World Cup out of the teams who are in this draw, be it Senegal, Egypt, Cameroon, maybe even Morocco, Mali, or Tunisia. But if I'm going off on paper and what I know of these teams, again, I'm going Cameroon. Morocco should beat the DR Congo. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see an upset, though. Go Congo. That'd be nice to watch. Uh, Why does Mali, Tunisia and Mali is becoming an African football rivalry that I didn't know about? Because <laughs> they, could, they met in the group stage. They could meet in the semifinal. They're meeting in the World Cup qualifying. Oof. And I'm not surprised. Um, I, I don't know who, who can make it out of this. On any given day, it could be Mali, it could be Tunisia. This could even be a tie that ends on penalties, for what it's worth. And like you said before, let's hope the referee lives at the park, because that, that started that rivalry, it seems. Um, so, lots <laughs> lot of going in there. World Cup qualifiers will begin on March 21st and run through until the 29th of March. 
Egypt, Senegal is, like you said, a hard one to pick. So I'm not going to right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and by affiliation, I think we're going to have Ghana win this Jollof Derby, right? There we go, man. I'm rocking with Ghana, the Black Stars. And uh, we'll get cooked by Nigerian fans, but the Jollof rice in Ghana is way better. Oh, gee. It was fighting words I'll be hearing. <laughs> to the Ghanaians and the Nigerians out there on the Footy Misfit mm. Space, put me on. Because I've not had Jollof rice of either Ghana or Nigeria. So, you know, put me on and then, you know, that'll be my winner. Facts. But the, the draw itself, after before we get um, move on from that, was it's kind of cute. There was, uh, I think, uh, Alhaji Diof was there. And so was Emmanuel Adebayor. I was like, wow. Ah. <laughs> Look at that. I'd love to see it. But that was a draw. Uh, and that does it for Africa this week. Obviously, stay tuned uh, for next week. Um, I do, before we go into club footy, I do want to talk about the other big national team tournament that's going on right now. And it's on the women's side. The Women's Asian Cup taking place in India. Ooh. And I want to mention the fact that Australia beat Indonesia 18 nothing. Now, that is not nice at all, man. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know women's football is developing around the world, but 18 nothing, <laughs> fam? Yeah, that, that, that ain't the way to help develop it. <laughs> we saw this in, like, European World Cup qualifiers. It was, like, a 20 to nothing for Belgium against Latvia or whatever. There has to be a better way. We can't deal with these 18 nothings. China beat Iran 7 nothing today. Yeah, that's entirely too many goals. That's football. That's football numbers. American football numbers. <laughs> it is. So I'm also, you know, keeping tabs on this tournament here. India, they played Iran to start the tournament. And they have now a COVID case to deal with in their own in their home tournament. So um, we'll see how that. Go- oh no, India withdrew from the tournament. Damn. Unfortunate. Yeah, thirteen of their players were unable to play against Chinese Taipei. They had already played Iran, and that match ended scoreless. It's pretty much a three-team group A with China already advancing to the next round. Damn it, man. Hate to hear that. Hopefully the Indian team is all good, but you really hate to see it. Yeah, especially when you're hosting the tournament. Yeah, man. My favorite is Australia before their 18-0 win. (laughs) Probably an Australia versus Japan final, but we'll we'll talk more about Asian Women Cup. Onward to the club football, shall we? We absolutely shall. Some quick club hits. There was club football all through the week. We saw... Uh, Copa del Rey, we saw some Copa Italia action, and obviously there was some league play as well. Um, I guess, where do we want to start? Before we get to the low, let's go to the high, Spurs and Leicester City. Oh, big game for Antonio Conte's Spurs, who looked like they were going to go outside uh, against Leicester City at uh, the King Power, or Filbert Street, if you are an old t- old school watcher. Um Spurs would go down early, equalize through Harry Kane, and go down again late on as James Madison scored for Leicester. Basically, the entire first 90 minutes of the match don't really matter. The fun stuff happened in the 90 plus 5 and then again in the 90 plus 7, unless you're a Leicester fan. Steven Bergwijn, who was subbed on late into the second half, somehow scored two goals in about 80 seconds and turned Spurs mood completely around 
it was absolute chaos. The latest winner in Premier League history going just ahead of that goal, you guessed it, the Aguero against QPR. So absolute scenes for Spurs fans, not so much for Brendan Rodgers and Leicester. And Spurs were thinking about selling Steven Bergvine. I wonder what they do now. Start him against Chelsea. They did that. It didn't work out. <laughs> no, nope, they, they did not. Take the third loss to Chelsea this month. And that's all I'll say about that. Okay, what's next? <laughs> In fairness, that, that was a crazy finish to that Leicester Spurs game. I'll save my takeaway for later, but um yeah, you don't want to talk about that game from today, so let's talk about <laughs> yeah, um, <nope. laughs> or the other two times we played Chelsea this 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 month alone. So yeah. Oof. Tough January in that regard. Um how about when Man U played West Ham? Oh, quite the match. Um some positivity for Manchester United who have been absolutely struggling under Ralph Ragnick and company at the moment. But uh, it would be one Marcus Rashford, MBE, a.k.a. Marcus Rashford. I don't really want to be here anymore. Score a late winner uh, to get the hammers the fuck out of there. And I just remember my BS of the week. Ah, look at that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought West Ham was going to have the draw locked in, even though I picked the win. But I thought they were going to have the draw locked. Yeah, Marcus Rashford would come on as a sub and uh, take that away from David Moyes' men. Tough. Tough, tough loss, especially to a struggling Manchester United side. And then on the Man United perspective, a big win at home against their top four rival this season. I'm sure Ronaldo hates to think about the fact that he's fighting for top four and not the title. Um, but big win at home for Manchester United. And uh, can they build from that? We absolutely shall see. They, ha they had a pretty good uh, week, two wins from two, of course. Um, but yeah, we shall absolutely see. There was a uh, Cristiano Ronaldo angst after he was pulled off um, against. After he was pulled off against Brentford at the midweek, but uh, that was the only negative, I guess, for Man United. They're two from two this week. Now, so the question now, because Chelsea before the win against Spurs, they have not been playing the best. They join Brighton and all these other, you know, teams they should be beating. So the question I've been hearing is, fuck a title chase. Can Chelsea even keep the top four? And there you go. And I'm not sure if that uh, would will actually be an issue for Chelsea. Um, but obviously we know che Chelsea being as dangerous as they are as of a front office. I was hearing murmurs of Tuchel on the hot seat, which is hilarious to think about. Um, but, I mean, it's not reality. It's Chelsea's. So anything can happen. I think they've gotten 16 points out of their last 39 points. Um, and, you know, similar, if you want to compare, the folks that they were allegedly chasing for the title, Manchester City, were 36 points out of 39 uh, in their, you know, last couple of matches. So, uh, yeah, Chelsea absolutely been struggling, but, you know, leave it to Spurs to spur them on, if you will. Wow. But, um, um <laughs> And I think Chelsea will keep top four. The The big fight is really between Man United, who I think are there right now, yep. West Ham, Arsenal, and Spurs. Yep. I give an edge to Spurs because of, you know, the fact that they got, you know, mad games in hand. Yeah, I think it's the also the implication in what it means for uh, Spurs. I think Spurs have the biggest 
loss to bear if they don't finish in a Champions League place. West Ham, I think, are just happy to be here and have been playing really well under David Moyes. Um, Arsenal are continuing to build up and then build back down and then build up. Uh, and they, back down like they did today. There you go. And the result against Burnley, which the gentrified Gunnar actually told me that he was so offended he wanted to be on the podcast today, I think, to talk about that, which was interesting. Yeah, so I think I, think I might be there with you. Uh, biased, of course. I, I picked Spurs to win ch against Chelsea today in the Misfits predictions, um, even though Spurs haven't won at Stamford Bridge in God knows how long. So uh, neither here nor there. But and yeah. in fairness, I did say I could see Spurs crack into the top four this season. Yeah. And that was with Nuno. You certainly did. <laughs> that might have been optimism, but I respect it. But, uh, yeah, I guess the point stands. Chelsea, I think, are safe as safe gets in fourth in third place. I'm sorry. Um, they have slipped in form, but on any day, I mean, they're, I think it's just a difference in class between them and the rest uh them men city liverpool and the rest of the league so i think they're safe where they are at the moment but anything can happen is the premier league but one thing's for certain if they do fall out of that third spot and finish fourth somehow that will not end well for tushu unless he wins the champions league again and it's still possible but we'll see what happens when it comes to chelsea yeah one last thing in england actually uh man uh the other side of manchester finally dropped some points to inform Southampton, a 1-1 finish on Saturday. And Liverpool said yes and took that opportunity and cheated their way to a win over Crystal Palace. <laughs> so you got to do anything you can to uh, stop Man City from running away with the title. Listen, I'm all for it. Liverpool, do what you got to do. Uh, they dragged the gap now to a closely contested nine points. Um, however, obviously Liverpool, the game in hand, can make it six. <laughs> Of course, uh, anything can happen. Liverpool does play Manchester City soon, so it can be a huge swing if you know the results go their way and City begin to slow up uh, again. But um, that was the last thing. That was the last thing. I thought it was worth. Oh, my bad, bro. What's wrong with me? Norwich finally, finally get a win and finish the weekend outside of the relegation zone for the first time in God knows how long, courtesy of a brace from the American who was left out of the USMNT recently for qualifiers, Josh Sargent scoring probably the best goal I've seen in the Premier League in at least a season. Uh, unbelievable scorpion kick type goal. And then scoring again after that against Watford. So a nice little brace from Sargent there to lift Norwich up out of poverty. Uh, <laughs> out of poverty. Um, who's cost worthy? Absolutely. That goal was unbelievable. Like it looked like an accident. But it, it did look like an accident. <laughs> it bounced off the post. It, you know, it kissed the bottom, the bottom of the post, tapped over the line, came right back over. Like, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable goal. Josh Sargent, I mean, you know, that was his first and second Premier League goal. And what a way to score your first ever Premier League goal. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Yep. And USMNT Tuita went apeshit. Of course they did. Yeah, uh, admittedly, that was a good goal. I, I cannot front. It was an amazing goal, but. Yeah, he probably knew that he was going to be left off the January World Cup qualifying squad. And, uh, you know, Greg Berlhalter, hold this. You can hold that, even though I guarantee he didn't think he was going to do some shit like that. But that, <laughs> that, that is it. I promise I have no more stuff about the Premier League, even Steven Gerrard beating Everton, even though he's not a, man, a player anymore. He just keeps doing it. All right, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done. 
snuck one more Premier League thing in there. Um, <laughs> Spain. So what really happened this week? Barcelona did defeat um, Deportivo Alaves. Left it very late. Frankie De Young scoring in I believe the 87th, and then their El Clasico rival Real Madrid for the second time in a week had trouble against Elche. They drew them 2-2 in the league, but earlier in the week in the Copa del Rey, who would have thought that three Real Madrid rejects would be instrumental to them winning? God damn, not me. Look at that. You had Danny Ceballos assisting Isco on the first goal, and then Eden Hazard scoring the game winner. Now, absolute madness. When you see Isco and Hazard both get goals in a cup tie of all ties, uh, and both of them in extra time, the funniest, I guess the best part about this to me is not the praise for Eden Hazard. It's the fact that he's still getting McDonald's slander, even after <laughs> scoring a winner. <laughs> Folks saying that Carlo Ancelotti said, if you score, I'll buy you a McRib. Uh, they're saying that he was offered the 20-piece nuggets for a dollar. Um, they said they'd bring back the chicken selects for him. Yeah, y'all remember the chicken selects? Oh, good stuff. Y'all remember snack wraps? They don't have those anymore. Yo, RP the snack wraps. See, Hazard probably could use those. That faded quietly into the sunset. It sure did. They were like, man, let's get rid of all this healthy shit. But I anyway. remember the one with, um, like, they use, like, sliced Big Mac. And they made it a Big Mac snack. <laughs> yeah, McDonald's be tripping. All right. It, it, it was busting now. I can't it lie. It was chill because I'm sure Aiden Hazard also thought it was busting. Uh, but neither here nor there. He did score a winner. Hats off to him. And then Carlo Ancelotti had some really encouraging words uh, for those players that, as Ronnie just said, rejects um, basically for Real Madrid at this point. Um, basically saying we don't, we don't look towards the past. Um, they have a future here and they can play well. Uh, speaking basically uh, on Hazard, amongst others. So, um, yeah, this could be the start of something for Eden Hazard if he lays off the apple pies, even though the cookies at McDonald's are really good, too. Those yeah. are good. They don't be Chick-fil-A cookies, but, you know, they are good. Yeah, damn, it's, gonna, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, yeah, man, that's what I got to say about it. Spence, any any thoughts on Real Madrid uh, continuing to win and, and Hazard giving you all a, a game winner? It was good to see. Uh, really happy for him. And just onwards to hopefully get more trophies to round out the year. One more question, Spence, before you he, are back on mute. Wow. One last question about Madrid. <laughs> uh, it's a serious question. Um, do you think that Hazard is more of a quarter pounder with cheese guy or a Big Mac guy? What do you think? I would have to say no comment. Okay, fair enough. I'll take that as both. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I took that as a fillet of fish answer, but okay. <laughs> Not the fillet of fish. <laughs> uh, okay, great stuff. And now there you have it there. Um, Continuing with the Copa del Rey, though, um, that same day Real Madrid had a late comeback against Elche, Barcelona dropped to Athletic Club. But this game was a real slapper. If I had to choose a club match of the week, this would have been it. Um Iker Munayin gets the shit on and popping hella early, seconds into this one. Ferran Torres, correct me if I'm wrong, scored his first Barcelona goal in this game too? Yeah, man. I, 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 just after he got registered, pretty funny stuff. So. He got registered off some Usman Dembele drama, which, you know, we'll get to some other time. Oof, man, I almost forgot about that. Oh, man. They forced that man the fuck out. Anyway, Inigo Martinez. 
he gives Athletic Club an advantage, but then in added time, Pedri scores before he, along with many other Barcelona players, Ansu Fati included, dropped like flies. Iker Munain netted a penalty. Some might have called it questionable. 3-2 winners. Athletic Club gets revenge from the Copa del Rey final from last season, beating Barcelona 3-2. And every time these two teams play, Athletic Club and Barcelona, these two guys always <laughs> provide a hell of a game. As Spencer confirms, that was Ferran Torres' first goal. So, yeah. Um, Barcelona, the only trophy they could possibly win right now is the Europa League, and they might have a trophy-less season, if we're really being honest. And that would be the least of their issues at the moment. Uh, clearly, I want to get off the La Liga train as fast as possible because Rayo Vallecano are continuing to slip fall and tumble away from a European place, sitting in eighth now, as in their last match uh, against uh, Athletic Club on Sunday day of recording. They lost yet again. Hey, man, it's conference league or bust for Rayo. Well, they're also still in the uh, Copa del Rey. They play Mallorca in the quarterfinal on Wednesday. Well, not Wednesday, but the, when it's on next in February. And that might be a spot in the semifinal. I would love to see it. Love it's Mallorca. It. They're going to be in the semifinal. There we go. <laughs> and there you have it. I mean, that's the La Liga Serie A real, 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 real quick. A lot of draws uh, this week. They brought it back to old school Italian football. A lot of catenaccio. No, I'm just kidding. I learned that. I learned that word during BSD. <laughs> Not just a lot of draws, a lot of scoreless draws. There you go. A lot of nil-nils. Um, Genoa Udinese, Lazio Atalanta. Milan Juve. Not a goal in sight uh, and points across the board. Um, there would be a late winner uh, with some goals uh, courtesy of Inter Milan versus Venezia. Venezia would go ahead early in the match. Uh, Inter Milan would tie shortly thereafter. And uh, from there, it was pretty much all Inter Milan. They couldn't find the back of the net, though, as Venezia were quite compact. However, in the dying moments of the match, when you, have, when you need a goal late, he's done it in the Premier League. The guy who scored before, Aguero. I'm talking about Eden Dzeko, y'all. Saves all three points for Inter Milan with a late goal, as late as it gets. As uh, Inter, I mean, continue their winning ways. These are the stuff, that, as they say, make champions. Yeah. Napoli played in one of the highest scoring games, if there were any, just two. They, they took all the goals. <laughs> they took all the goals, and they defeated. I'll let you tell the people who they beat. Thank you. Um, they beat uh, Salernitana. <laughs> oh, I'm giving amazing. you all the opportunities there is to say Salernitana because at the end of this season, there won't be many more. Oh, I appreciate that. And we absolutely know that's a, probably going to be a fact as they look like they're headed right back down, of course. Uh, Salernitana take NL uh, to Napoli this week. And there were also, also goals at the Roma Empoli match, 4 2 final result there. Tammy Abraham with a brace. New signing, Sergio Oliveira scoring. And you got to love when Nicolo Zaniolo scores as well. 4-2 over Empoli. Boom, pow. That was pretty much it. I think decent amount of action over there, Serie A. There was a, some Coppa Italia, I believe, during the midweek, but we're, we're past. The past is the past. <laughs> and we could talk about the Bundesliga. We could talk about the Ligon. Let's wrap up club footy with the Eredivisie. Do it. Today saw PSV take on Ajax in a top-of-the-table clash. PSV Eindhoven entered this match on 46 points. Ajax with 45 second place. Ajax 
got the dub against PSV. Brian Brabi and Nasir Mazwari scoring for Ajax. Mario Gota scored for PSV too to equalize. Wow, there you go. Mario Gota, name drop. He's forever a legend for what he did in the World Cup way back when, 2014. He's still doing it in the Eredivisie and doing it for PSV of all clubs, not Ajax or Feyenoord. Yeah, so it seems Ajax, the goal difference for them is unbelievable, though. Talk that, about it. Uh, I mean, Ajax literally, I think, more than 15 or 20 goals uh, higher than the next highest um, club. They score goals in a hurry, and they have only conceded five, a number that I think we marveled at earlier on in the season. Um, but it's a 56 yeah. GD. Unbelievable 56 GD. Uh, Looking like the Barcelona women. There you go. But still only two points clear of PSV at the moment. So all to play for. They just be scoring goals in bunches. I don't want to be the cynic be like, oh, yeah, well, the Eredivisie is over with now because Ajax are in the first. Um, no. Um, like we said, the gap is now two points the other way. Ajax on top of PSV. Firenood could also heat up in terms of home start of the season. They're on 42 points. I do think Ajax will win the title, but by no means will it be comfortable this season. Agreed. I mean, there's a lot of season, a lot of games left to play. Two points is barely any breathing room. But uh, if Ajax continues on conceding basically a goal every six games, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but that being said, we you, you, you mentioned we could talk about Bundesliga, uh, Liga. I think I'd rather talk about bullshit. Would you agree? <laughs> you know me so well, don't you? <laughs> I know it's that time. I want to hear the drop. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times it's, uh, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> BS of the week. I'm going to kick this off. Um, because... On Monday, we saw the FIFA Best Awards, and that is my BS of the Week as a staff record label award ceremony and MF crew. Um, <laughs> I always love when you do that. <laughs> head scratching here. So, and this isn't the first time this has happened where you give an award to one player and then you drop the World 11, and that one player isn't on this team. Let's talk with, about goalkeepers. Edward Mendy won the best goalkeeper award, beating out Gigi Donnarumma and Manuel Neuer. On the World 11, it's Gigi Donnarumma starting in goal. When it comes to like the individual awards, captains of national teams and the managers of those same teams vote on it. And then on the World 11, those are voted by the players. Miss me with that bullshit because this is bullshit. 
You want to talk about the World 11? Why is it so top heavy? Yeah, I just, it's, you know, perfect for this segment. Absolute bullshit. Just like, what do you got? What are y'all doing? The the best 11 formation is a 3-3-4. Sounds, it sounds a lot like uh, what the broadcasters for the AFCON thought teams were going to line up in. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, Diaz, Bonucci, Alaba, back three. Midfield of Conte, Jorginho, and KDB. And a front four of Haaland, Lewandowski, Messi, and Ronaldo. They just want to fit all the stars in there. While at the same time leaving out stars like Benzema, Salah, and um, uh, yeah, sure. Top heavy as World Eleven. Um, Manager of the Year, Thomas Tuchel. I mean, we're, we're going either him or... Um, Roberto Mancini. Not that one year where they gave it to Klopp instead of Hansi Flick. The last season? 2020, yeah. Why do they do that? No, whatever. But yeah, best player went to Robert Lewandowski back to back. It was cute of Messi to pull up to the ceremony virtually in a t shirt, I guess. With terrible Wi Fi connection, apparently. KDB wasn't even there. Um, they just had a, his portrait. Um, yeah. yeah, that guy that guy gets the segment. <laughs> he knows his BS. <laughs> On to the women's um, best. Is it is it even any question that Alexia Puteas is deserving of the best women's player? No, and if not her, four other Barcelona players. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the final the finalists for the best women's player were her. Sam Kerr, who's currently with um, Matildas and at Chelsea. And Jenny Hermoso, also her Barcelona and Spanish national team teammate. Not one of those three were on the FIFA Women's Best 11. No one from Barcelona was on the Women's Best 11. Ridiculous. Or should I say bullshit? Christian Endler in goal. Back four of Millie Bright, Lucy Bronze, Magdalena Eriksson. And Wendy Renard, midfield three of Estefania Banini, Barbara Bonanessa, I'm not mad at that one, she plays for Juve, and um, Carly Lloyd, front three of Marta, Vivian Miedema, and Alex Morgan. Bruh. Alex Morgan played like two games for Spurs before going back to Orlando. And she didn't really light things up with Orlando, nor did Marta. I love Marta, don't get me wrong. I'm always on for some Marta. Going off of last season, I wouldn't put her in the best 11. Facts. Alex Morgan came to Spurs and played a game and a half and said, all right, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) You got to give shouts to um, Adina Bomanti. No Perno Harder of Chelsea. I wasn't expecting this, but no, Stina Blackstinius. Remember, she gave the USA nightmares. Absolutely. No, no, Ashley Lawrence of Canada. No one from the Canadian Olympic gold medalist team. Manager of the year went to Emma Hayes of Chelsea instead of Luis Cortes of Barcelona. Um, I would have given it to the Barcelona manager, but Emma Hayes, you know, not mad. She did a domestic treble in England. And um, Eric Lamela with the Puskas, LV, your thoughts on that? One of the greatest goals of all time. Untouchable. Um, 
against Arsenal, no less. The result of the match, we don't need to talk about. But you won't probably... No one say. brought that up, but okay, go for it. Um, <laughs> go <laughs> well, off, bro. Um, an incredible, absolutely incredible goal. Uh, Denmark and Finland fans won the Fan Award. Um, the national team of Denmark won the Fair Play Award. All following Christian Eriksen's collapse during the Euros were the awards. No problem there. And then special awards were given to Ronaldo and Christine Sinclair for being the top goal scorers in their respective gender. So that's my FIFA the best BS. Um, I have another one, but I'll let you go on. Okay, so mine is pretty quick. Uh, we spoke about the Manchester United versus West Ham match. There, the result obviously left West Ham fans angered. Uh, so much so to the point where the away fans, obviously traveling all the way up to Manchester at Old Trafford, were seen spitting on police officers uh, or security and stewards. I'm like, fam, they didn't lose you the game. And my BS really, I mean, forget the fact that they were wilding, which they absolutely were, spitting during COVID. That's madness. The real issue for me is, you guys are West Ham fans. Y'all didn't blow no bubbles in this scuffle? Could have brought the bubble blower at least. So, um, yeah, BS of the week to those West Ham fans who got unruly, decided to try and beat up some stewards and uh, throwing spit and loogies. I know y'all have breath stink, man. Come on, guys. That's not cool. And then not even having any, any bubbles. That shit is lame. You guys blow the bubbles when you win. You could have blown some bubbles in the security guards' faces. That might have helped you guys, but... Yeah, that, that's mine. Light, simple, and nasty. When you see spit, ugh, oof, nasty. Yeah, man. Um, very disgusting. I'm going to go back to the Premier League for BS of the Week. But before that, I want to um, go to Spain real quick. So last week's BS, we spoke about the match between Real Betis and Sevilla in the Copa del Rey, where the guy threw um, a crowbar onto the pitch and it hit Juan Jordan. The match was replayed on Sunday of last week and Real Betis beat Sevilla 2-1 to advance to the quarterfinal. At the end of that game, Real Betis are celebrating the win against their local rivals, the Derby match, um, after the match. In a bit of a mocking fashion for Real Betis, Andres Guardado, the Mexican international, he... Oh, yes, man. <laughs> I thought he was 38, but apparently he's not. Um, he has a water bottle in his hand. He flips it, hit, lets it hit him in on the forehead, and then he stumbles, mocking Juan Jordan getting hit. Of course, this clip went viral. You're too old to be doing that, fam. Oh my God, what are you doing? That's a that's very true. Petty as hell too. God. You have you should be you should be experienced enough to you know be a leader on the pitch, but now you're just showing you know you're an embarrassment. Yeah, fam, you're 47 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, fam. And of course, Andres Guardado had you know defend his bullshit. I can't really I can't find the quote, but he basically said something along the lines of "Don't believe what you see." <laughs> Don't believe what you see. It was unfortunate what happened, but I did not do what it shows me doing on the video. So there's that. Lastly, you mentioned Spurs versus Leicester City. Of course, when Spurs scored the game-winning goal, Steven Bergwijn, late, late brace. 
They go over to the away section and celebrate. Um, I was reluctant to give this BS of the week because I couldn't identify who it was. But now that I could identify it, Lucas Mura. <laughs> not only does he have one of the stewards piggyback ride him, but he also takes the a beanie off of one of the supporters' heads and just chucks that shit somewhere. I want to know if that supporter got his beanie back. Yo, he chucked it right back at him. Oh, man. And that is an instance where flopping comes in handy. If I was that fan, I would have. My back. Oh, man. Lucas Moore would have got sued for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in the celebration, I'm like when I was watching the replay, um, Doherty is there. And then Hugo Lloris makes a long-ass run just to make it to the celebration. Like, yo, fam. So I thought it was him. But then, you know, upon further inspection, I see it was... um. It was Lucas Mura. He's, he's still, he just pulled the beanie off his head and just threw it. Oh, man. Yeah, um, I think he apologized on Twitter. He posted a, a cartoon uh, drawing of him taking the beanie off and said, Sorry to the boy. I couldn't hold my euphoria. Crying emoji. This is Lucas Mura, who's also a low-key jokester. Like, when quarantine happened, he said something along the lines of, Yeah, I got to spend more time with my wife. Um, she's a cool person. She's pretty nice. <laughs> Again, BS of the Week is not always, you know, fuck shit. It's, you know, like harder shit like this. So that's my BS of the Week to round up. There you go. Also credit to Hoybier, who uh, ran up to uh, Bergwijn when he was trying to jump into the crowd and pulled him back because he figured that he might, Bergwijn, who's already on the yellow, might get sent off uh, for jumping into the crowd. Did not catch that, but shouts to, you know, Hoy BM, team leader. Oh, man. All right, with that being said, before my beanie gets pulled off my head, uh, Ronnie, do you want to go <laughs> You want go ahead and, uh, and sign the boys off? <laughs> you need to go find a new beanie immediately because um, th- there's there's not much hair up there, and it's cold out here in these streets. Um, well, he threw it right back at him. <laughs> <laughs> um so this has been episode 78 of the Footy Misfits. We thank you all for listening to the podcast per usual. We appreciate the love on Instagram at Footy Misfits. And yeah, we, we're in the home stretch of the AFCON. Women's Asian Cup is out here too. Um, domestic leagues. World Cup qualifiers are coming up soon in Gornebol and CONCACAF. So that's something to especially look out for in case, you know, you don't see club footy. There's that. For the good brothers LV and Spence, I, I just go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Take care. Adios. Nos vemos. Woo! I take it back. The new sex in the city sucks. Does it really?